Welcome to another installment of the Evolution Exchange podcast. Today I'm joined by Yanis, Trolls, and Enrico to discuss the topic of will AI make developers obsolete? As always, before we delve deeper into the topic, let's work our way around the room with some introductions. Yanis, we'll come to you first. Yeah. Hi, my name is Jan Stiepnex. I am uh, working at the tech company called Trackman. Um, I am a tech lead at uh, marketing department and my main responsibility is uh, e-commerce and uh, marketing web development uh, projects. And from today's talk, I'm actually super excited about uh, about it because ai seems like it's the next big advancement in technology so i think it's always interesting to discuss where it's heading and how it's going to affect us yeah so true and and yanis this isn't your first time on the podcast so thanks for coming back yeah enrico we'll come to you my friend next Uh, hey i'm uh, enrico i have been a freelance developer for about 10 years Uh, i've worked in games mobile apps development systems development and been like managing a a growing team as well for a few years uh lately i've been and in context of this uh, talk i've been working on a uh, service api that utilizes ai and uh, large language models like chat gpt to generate uh, websites in few minutes uh, I'm looking for some, for this talk, I'm looking for some outside perspective on, on uh, how they see potential influence uh, would affect the near future of like development teams and developers, uh, especially um, since I've been boiling with this, like primarily on my own. Um, so looking forward for the chat. Yeah, me too. Enrico, thanks for coming on again. And last but not least, Trolls, tell us a bit more about yourself. Yeah. Hey, hello, I'm uh, Pauls, and I work in bank data um, as a senior software developer. And what I'm hoping to get out of this is other perspectives on uh, on AI. We are still in the early uh, adoption of uh, AI and thinking about how could we utilize it um, maybe using uh, uh, Copilot from Git or something like that. Um, so to to hear what other perspectives is uh, on using AI and uh, giving my uh, kicking with um, how I see the, the future uh, and what it can be used for. Yeah, fantastic. Really looking forward to this one. Um, let's jump into it. Now we've established context around each of you. Let's move into that topic and focus. Will AI make developers obsolete? 
we might not get a yes or no answer, but let's see what the panel has to say. Uh, as usual, work around the room. Everyone's got a question that they've put forward um, and everyone's going to have a chance to give their reasons behind it and then obviously an opportunity to give their take on on that situation. So, Yanis, I believe we're starting with your question, mate. So he wants to know, how can developers prepare for the rise of AI in their field? And what skills or knowledge might they need to acquire to stay relevant? Yanis, come to you first to give some context before handing over to the other guys. Yeah, well, the context is also, I think, quite self-explanatory. And the idea of this um, sort of topic and also question came came to me uh, around the late last year because the AI advancements have been around all, all of the time and every time new tools are coming out, they are also emphasizing that they are somehow uh, AI-enhanced uh, and that AI uh, is sort of the next big thing. And that also mm, makes me wonder, and also I suppose makes us wonder, well, if the AI is advancing so fast now and is so capable, uh, where it's heading and where it's going to leave us, do we need to acquire new uh, skills? Like, do we need to become AI developers? Or do we maybe need to focus on some other skills, how to use this, uh, these AI tools? And uh, I think it's super, at least for me, relevant question because I'm really also, if, if we look a few years ago or maybe 10 years ago back when uh, all of these um, sort of full stack applications started to come out and uh, the segmentation between uh, backend and frontend de developers started to sort of uh, uh, become more vague and, and people are expecting you to do or to be able to do more things. So now I'm wondering, is there like an, an extra thing that we are uh, expected to be able to do? And that is work with AI uh, tools and also build our own AI tools. And if so, then how to do it and how to prepare for this. That all makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I can start out. I have like some of the more like straight up answers to this question. Um, and then we can when, talk about like the other, like more abstract ones later. Um, but I, I definitely see like uh, something that uh, when I'm working with other developers is like, and personal experience of mine, I hate writing tests. Uh, definitely one of the key like amazing things that you can have like uh, AIs generate for you on 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 the whim. Uh, you can write up integrations so you can automatically generate a test case for a specific piece of code. Uh, that would be something that I see like there's a philosophy in how you work with uh, AI and large language models. Um, uh, it can be used to cleaning up code. So it could just clean up basic generic issues that you have written and stuff like that. So on a day-to-day -day basis, I think you can integrate very well with uh, just ping ponging back and forth with, with, with the, the chatbot that's available at the moment. Um, but in the near future, I think it would be something that most companies are looking to making a integration path into their own systems and services so for developers they need to learn how to write code how to think code in terms of having an ai be the like the more uh, creative portion of for some of the more trivial tasks in your day-to-day -day, um, when it comes to writing code yeah. Um, I still think that there's a very strong feeling that developers need to have like an 
general overview over what they are building, like what what's the product they're building, so you can leverage these things much more. Um, I think you'll see developers have less focus on trivial tasks and more focus on the the context and the the, the really business oriented uh, questions in the future. Um, so I think we will lean more away from from code monkeys and more into like actual developers um, in the future. Yeah, I think that uh, that's some some uh, really interesting points, um, and I can can follow uh, them uh, very good because uh, what what I think that AI can uh, can do for me as a developer is. Uh, you know, when when you have a problem and you need to to uh, find like a, a quick solution for it, then uh, you you I go to Google maybe and uh, to see if other people have invented the wheel before I start inventing it uh, from the beginning of, um, and I take inspiration there. And AIs are so much better at googling than I am. Um, and they can pro provide a, a statistic uh, better solution uh, that what I've uh, find when when looking at the first few answers because they can see a whole lot more uh, and and put it up together. Um, so so the way of using uh, or utilizing the AI uh, have. Uh, I have I have used a lot of time uh, being better to googling. Now I have to be better talking to that AI. Um, so so I don't know if that's a skill per se, but it's a a way of working anyway, uh, and that you have to adapt to. And of course, uh, you have to accept that you cannot have the whole truth when. When programming, uh, and there are people out there in specific areas that uh, no matter how smart you are, will be smarter than you in that specific area. And to find that person is very hard, but having the AI to help you, uh, you can get a better solution when writing the code. Dear, love that answer. Um... I don't, there's always someone who's, who's done something like very specific in terms of code, but you are the one who's supposed to bring the code to your business. Yeah. So you have the context and being more like the context oriented uh, developer rather than the general general code developer. Yeah. Um, I definitely think that in like before times there should have been courses on how to google for programming yeah what i love that for for learning uh unity and games vector based development um but um now it's ai so yeah so come back to you if you got anything to add to your own questions uh, yeah um, a bit uh, based also on I, I did some preparation before the podcast but also based on the answers that uh, those guys just uh, gave it's also like one of the comments about the new skills uh, that was uh, mentioned about googling then also now you can see that everyone's starting to, to talk about prompt engineering that, that is like the sort of the next skill we need to acquire at least in the short term uh, future or in a foreseeable future 
and that's essentially the way how you interact with the AI, uh, like using the natural language, right? Um, and that's just one of the examples of the skills that we need to uh, prepare for the future. Uh, but it's, I think it's also a bit more in that, and so I have tried to categorize my answer in in uh, sort of maybe two main parts. One is sort of more generic, uh, and and for the generic. Uh, uh, answer I would say like to be prepared for the AI future the most important thing that you uh, should do or maybe the biggest mistake you can do right now as a developer is to ignore that this stuff is happening and and just pretend that everything's going to be fine and that is not relevant to me and AI is never going to be as advanced that uh, it will affect my work and I think we have said, seen in many times in the past in different uh, uh, how to say uh, in a, on, on different examples that this is not the true. If, if new technology comes out and in the beginning it's not super um, capable, then we know that it advances very fast. And suddenly, in ten years' time, uh, it's uh, something uh, that affects everyone. Like we, I could even say, like a digital photography would be an example. When it first came out, the first digital cameras they were really far beyond the film cameras and everyone uh, at least professional photographers said this is not a threat to us and this is not going to change the industry in a significant way and now we can see where we are with the iphone cameras right that uh, uh yeah the so technology technology advancements are always going uh fast and and they do impact us so we should not ignore what's happening around and the best way uh to not ignore it is actually to uh, sort of explore what's happening in the in the industry, uh, what products are coming out, and try to use them. Try to use them both as a like an end user. Try to like ChatGPT would be a great example, right? Just try to interact with it and see what it can uh, uh, come out with, both for like a dinner plan suggestions to the code examples and so on, and then. The other way, as a developer, try to use their APIs because that's also where I see, at least in the foreseeable future, that this is going to be a relevant skill to have is to use uh, open, like use AI uh, APIs. So that 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 is the way that um, um, how to say. Um, I just lost my thought for a second. Uh, so yeah, one of the predictions that uh, I see mentioned a few times from the industry experts is that uh, they predict that in the future we'll have uh, uh, AI as a service, something like we have, for example, right now, um, Firebase, for example, backend as a service. So we'll have also AI as a service and there's already open AI is providing their APs, which means that there will be these huge monstrous uh, AI models that could do basically everything. And then it will be your task to extract that one specific niche where you're going to use it. And then you're going to sort of customize it or tailor tailor it for your own or your business needs. So people there will be expecting or businesses will be expecting that you can enhance, enhance their apps with some kind of AI solution. Uh, and I think with the AI as a service, that is going to be more or less straightforward. Uh, uh, but it is still a skill that you need to train and acquire for. Yeah, um, I, I can bring some context to what yeah. exactly what you're saying from developers. It's like because what I'm doing is 
I'm running OpenAI as a form of creative service for my API. So I used it as a uh, prompting tool where I prompted, hey, I want this type of website. And then I repeatedly ask it for the creative uh, portions of web development. Like how should it look? How should it behave? And how, what kind of components, what kind of content should be in there? So it's the whole interfacing programming that's going to be like the more critical because you will have these hyper-powered engines of creativity sitting in the back room that you can just like hook into whenever you can using like simple endpoints. Uh, I think similar to having, you have dedicated developers on Salesforce integrations, like how do you intertween your, your data there? You're going to have similar here with people who are very specialized in, in, in hyper-powering the AI engines um, and like which models to, to, to put out their creative results. Um, and then it, as we've seen with stuff like the, the, the legal tech bot that passed the bar exam and the other uh, AI bot that passed the Google programming uh, course um, or boy exam. And they, they are being developed. Like they are actually like contextually uh, understanding the create creative uh, ideas. So I think it, it's a matter of time before we see like enough interfaces being developed that are more. I also like, this is also one of the good examples of what prompt engineering actually can be, right? Cause it's not only writing prompts in the, uh, chat box or chat box or chat box. It's, it's also actually the way you implement the API. It means that you are making a request to the, um, AI API, and then you have to kind of tweak that request. Uh, so the user cannot make a wrong request, let's say. And, and that is kind of also where the engineering comes. You have to like write up some specific prompt and then also inject user inputs uh, in that prompt. So that's also one of the skills that will be relevant. And that's, that's also what I think is what makes the difference from today's programmers and to the, like from the future programmers, because, uh, I don't know in how many years, but it, it will be that you're not required only to write the code, but also to be able to explain in a natural language, exactly what is it that you want. And then you also need to integrate user inputs in that, uh, um, I don't know, string or sentence or uh, prompt that you are building. So that's a kind of different mindset in, in, in my opinion, like, uh, and, uh, yeah, so, ah. What I also see happening or, uh, what everyone is talking about the trend, how our job will change over the time is that, uh, we'll kind of become a micro managers or we'll be a managers of different AI systems. And then it's all going to be our task to make them work together. So that's also like a different kind of skill and different type of mindset that is requested, uh, cause we can see that this AI will be some kind of artificial, uh, team members, right? So it's a different way of interacting with them than just to open your, I don't know, deployment pipeline and, uh, push the button. Yeah. I, I want to, um, one of the, the, the examples I tend to use and Sam knows this uh, very well, is like the way of the way I see it is, uh, you have, uh, a lot of handcrafted 
products right now. Like a lot of people have made uh, like that. We've woven hand baskets and stuff like that. Now you have like these automated machines that can produce something for you. Mm. They won't produce like the mm. exact perfect handcrafted item, but they will get you like 80, 90% of the way. And then you will have the human touch on top of it. You still have people managing it. It's like sort of yeah. like the industrial revolution, like everything is now become like more automated. It's like automation, this automation, that, because yeah. you want less hands on, but you want people, you have like much more experienced people that knows how everything works together. Uh, yeah. It's like having another junior developer in your team, but it's a junior developer that can help all team members at the same time. And it's really fast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like, it's like, yeah, it's, it's really hard to define. Is it like junior or senior or like it's, it's, it's someone who is able to produce good code extremely fast, but you need to check that code at least yeah. at the moment. Right. No. And, and I'm sure that. Yeah, make sure the context uh, is uh, is fitting. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, guys. Well, I think that's a great point to end on there uh, for that question. So thank you, Yanis. Trolls, we're coming to you next. Uh, the question that he's posing to everyone is, is how do you see ethical and environmental aware programming evolving with AI? Do developers share responsibility when using AI-enabled tools? Thoros, come to you for some context before handing over to to Yanis and Enrico. Yeah. Um, well, the th I, when when being invited to this podcast, uh, I think, well, what can what can I bring to to this? Um, because I haven't worked a lot with AI, uh, uh, and I have not uh, worked a lot with ChatGPT. Uh, I have tried a little bit of Midway. Um, mid journey, sorry, um, and uh, we have all uh, seen the articles uh, writing about uh, people's intellectual property uh, being broken, and uh, the AI is being trained on uh, on data that uh, where the the IP wasn't uh, secured uh, and stuff like that. Um, also. There's this uh, 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 this way of uh, using uh, sh making sure that the the code you're writing isn't uh, uh, using too much energy or uh, all that environmental aware programming. So you have a lot of people uh, making up new solutions to to make sure that we have an uh, some software that is healthy for the environment, uh, but we have to make sure, I think that we have to make sure um, that uh, the ethics are uh, being secured in some way. Uh, but that's an evolving process process as well. Uh, so what are your thoughts on, on that? Enrico, should we come to you first? Yeah, um, I uh, I love this question, by the way. Um, I have, and this is something that I started talking with one of the lawyers from my old company about. It's like one of the main things that we're probably looking at uh, is the ethical terms of using AI in the first place. Um, um, you, there's a lot of like um, 
plagiarism, uh, copyrights, and stuff like that. That is that is like the natural issues that are occurring. Um, but I think you need to understand from a, a user perspective as well is that you're currently under the wraps of uh, coders and programmers having written these algorithms uh, that's been like the hot topic on twitter and youtube for the past few years it's like oh the algorithm is is, is hurting me and stuff like that it's like yes there are a form of code base that is controlling the way you perceive social media and stuff like that um so there is naturally some kind of uh, ethical issue that has to be taken into account um, and needs to be looked at like and i think it becomes much more it obviously becomes much more clearer the more you start automating uh, and the more you start like putting ai as part of like larger platforms that has massive user bases and you start creating content like what about 3d arts like 2d artists concept artists and stuff like that um we see uh user videos of like everything is just ai generated with like the likes of eminem doing cat videos and stuff like that um but the um, oh, yeah. I mean, the, so, I, so I think there's supposed to be a more critical focus in terms of like the education part of it, uh, especially on like the critical understanding of when you are educating developers, what do you put into their education of in forms of the, the ethical purpose of don't create like nuclear codes and stuff like that with AI. Uh, <laughs> um, but also in terms of, um, but I in in a, in a more day to day and work related, I see more of the anti anti AI tools popping up, like proof reading uh, articles, like hey, this is written ninety nine percent with AI, you should probably put in a more human touch into it. And this is where I want to relate to uh, from the last week tonight episode from yesterday, where they had a, uh, some correspond like some from a uh, hiring solution company that does like you when you are hiring people, you have uh, for larger companies you have a lot of applicants, and they use algorithms to trim down applicants uh, to make them. Uh, does this? applicant actually make more sense for our company is this more of a successful hire than other people so now you're seeing companies have this algorithm but you also have the applicants having access to ai generated resumes so now you have a sort of like small arms race and like who's using ai the most to keep their way into a, a potential uh human touch um which is odd because uh so i think there's some things that change there but like uh and yeah if if i can interrupt you there for a second because it's just like the way you say it it also sounds kind of i don't know funny or ironic or or, or maybe there's a paradox yeah. that you know you use ai to generate the cv and resume or cover letter and then on the other side there's an ai tool that is actually picking your cv saying oh this is a really nice tv I absolutely love it. So, yeah. So, so you you are relaying a lot of the what would be like the human touch to do AI, and then you're just 
Yeah, they're. I mean, you're replacing people just to have AI come back in virtue again. Um, but um, yeah, I, I I think it's it's around that topic uh, of the ethicalness of it. Um, so so I think it's 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 at least something that has to be a, be a growing concern is how much weight do you actually put on AI uh, in the future? And this was a more like concrete direct example. When I have talked with uh, developers as well who are working with uh, doing their own like small side projects. They now ha have access to AI uh, tools that generate images and content for their games. Uh, so you can set a program and you don't need a this like like an artist anymore. You just like write code that like and fetch out images from these tools, uh, which actually makes uh, a lot of sense uh, in terms of like building prototypes and stuff like that. But yeah. how much do you want um, AI to create content that looks very similar to other uh, people's? Um, you have in games, you already have a growing issue with copy pasta games that just takes concepts from other games, reusing a lot of the marketing and then sell like uh, free to play games and stuff like that. That's like um, clickbaity kind of stuff. Um, I think that's a growing issue there and it's just going to be more prevalent with AI. Um, if, if I can continue, maybe from, from the same thought that you just uh, mentioned is um, that's also not directly programming related, but this is one of the AI capabilities that it can write books. And I already saw a, a post somewhere that uh, uh, there was over 200 books on Amazon uh, that have been proven or at least admitted that they are written either by AI or heavily by AI. But the thing is also there is no requirement from Amazon side. So provide this type of information. So actually the number could be even bigger because people choose not to uh, uh, reveal that, right? So that's also like an ethical issue. If I, if I buy a book and I expect that it's been written by uh, a real author and then it's actually been not, so I've been, I'm sort of cheated, right? <laughs> and uh, but 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 it's like uh, yeah, that that's like the similar like ethicalness of like do I purchase like green the uh, green in industrial things uh, consumables yeah. or yeah. do I is it just like slap the sticker on top of it? It's like the similar case. It's uh to that and like yeah, mm -hmm. I don't want to just buy something that's generated. So at the same time, how do you uh, decide that? Because let's assume that they, the stuff that be, that's been AI generated has been actually tailor-made to my interest and actually is more entertaining to me than something that has been written by an author who kind of like has made a really good book but made that a, or had some points missed and it doesn't speak to me that well. So it, it's again, it's kind of decision who I support do I support the AI tool that actually provides the entertaining product or do I choose a real, like a book written by a real author and actually support this author, right? So that's also a ethical decision on the consumer side. But uh, in general, like a, a bit back to the original uh, question, I found that this is super hard question to even prepare for because there's, it's, it's really obvious that this is a, huge blank in the industry right now 
Like also all the main uh, corporations are calling this out that, that and saying that we need some kind of regulation or agreements or, uh, for example, Meta is also uh, bringing this up that uh, we need to have these ethical considerations because there have been already lots of instances where AI is uh, sort of providing either rude or insulting responses because the AI doesn't know what is bad and what is not or what is offensive and what is not. It's just been sort of trained to a certain level and, and then released into the public. And now it's the public who is discovering all, all the shortcomings. Yeah, and, and from sort of... Oh, sorry. But you, you see that with, with uh, OpenAI having to put like heavy restrictions on... Exactly. On this exactly. tool that they need to put on like their own developer ethical exactly. path to not give out like how to make nuclear bombs or something like that. Uh, exactly. That was also where I was going to because the, the initial release was so much powerful than, than the one that we have now just because it was helping people to find uh, uh, vulnerabilities in bank systems or uh, like, I don't know, in databases. And then it actually could write a script to use those vulnerabilities. So if you're a hacker, that was your gold mine. <laughs> just write in with the, all the bad things you want to do and it, it does it for you. Uh, and, and and even now, how, how can it determine that I'm a hacker or if I'm a security engineer? And if I write, can you detect vulnerability in my system? So how does it know? Should I help or should I not help? So yeah, I, I thought that this is it's, it's super interesting question, but also I have no idea how to answer this. <laughs> yeah, it's super hard. It's like, so it becomes such like abstract really fast. Like, where do you go with it? Like, um, one of it's... one of the things that I also like found, uh, it was the OpenAI uh, CEO who mentioned in, in one of the interviews where he was asked about the next release of chat uh, GPT. Because everyone is expecting this uh, release for, uh, and it, it's supposed to be super huge, and it's uh, gonna be, I don't know, ten hundred times uh, bigger and more impactful than the current one. Yeah. Uh, but he he kind of admits that it's not gonna be the case. They 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 have agreed to do much more slower releases, so it's not gonna be again such a big release as uh, GPT in uh, end of November or end of uh, or start of November when it came out it's going to be much slower where they test it much longer time uh, within the company. And also it's going to be more incremental uh, releases instead of one like huge block uh, because then they lose a lot of control. So I think they are also kind of taking this kind of ethical responsibility. Uh, and also one of the reasons what he implied was that if he would release or if they would release uh, uh, the next huge version the way they are actually able to it will have some huge economical uh consequences that they don't want to take that kind of responsibility it's also understandable right yeah 100 percent. charles what's your thoughts on your own question i'd love to know yeah well um i think that uh, let's take the second part of the the first uh, part of the environmental aware programming, uh, the involvement there. I think that AI could maybe at some point uh, provide uh, code examples for me to use or uh, when I see, well, I need to solve this problem, then 
uh, instead of just giving me the solution, then the AI could actually provide me of solutions that I could choose from. Uh, one being a uh, environmental aware solution and one being uh, maybe a more secure solution and one being a faster solution, one using less storage and and so on. Uh, and from that, I can choose uh, the one that fits what I uh, would like to do in that specific case. Um, about the ethical uh, aware, uh, I'm aware that it is a very big question and there's being done a lot in the field already um, but as long as there are humans we will see uh, evil and we will see good and it will always be a battle of some sort um, so I think that we should at least like you said Enrico uh, educate our programmers uh, on how to uh, to do uh, ethical programming uh, and maybe we should do it while uh, teaching them how to use AI uh, when when programming um, so I think that that could be a question uh, that could be an answer uh, to that question um, but I think that ultimately we as developers share responsibility when utilizing the AI-enabled tools, because at the end of the day, it's me pushing the button, uh, pushing the code to production. Yeah, it will. It yeah. will always be that. Uh, hopefully. Yeah. There was also one. Uh, sorry. There, there was also one interesting paradox that I saw uh, in 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 many different also interviews and different aspects and problems of the AI programming and or AI future as such that like let's say the environmental issues how we can solve those or what impact we can have on them and lots of times they're also saying that well we will have the ai tools that will help us to fix those problems so that's kind of you know it, it's interesting it's uh we, we create problems with creating ai and then we hope to solve those problems by building a specific AI models to address these problems. Yeah. It's a completely new way of, I don't know, of seeing things. And, and, and that part is kind of a bit scary for, for me, at least. Oh, yeah. I think like that with the, with, with the AI being more and more like prevalent as well, it's like when it starts running, you cannot keep the AI responsible for things. You need some kind of human and that's where you have like legal sense and uh, like the law and especially the European Union, what they are doing right now is like, how do you hold the exactly behind the, behind the people behind it accountable? Uh, because you can't hold like code accountable for in, in, in that sense. <laughs> all right guys well i think that's a great point to finish on there enrico uh Thor's fantastic question um some excellent answers there and insights too uh, 
The last question that we've got from from the guys in the panel, Enrico's, he wants to know how do you see the role of developers evolving as AI continues to advance, and how do you see team structures and dynamic evolve with the the emergence of the AI assisted tools? So I know we've touched briefly on it, but go into a bit more detail, Enrico. Have you got some context for Yanis and Charles? Uh, yeah, man. So I come from a background of like doing a lot of startups. So you have uh, a lot of people with a lot of different hats on. Um, so you need to do a lot of things. Uh, and what I've been doing a lot is uh, how do I keep like the product side, the product team, and the developers and the uh, special uh, special. Uh, uh, matter experts, like how do you keep them together and actually uh, talk together in terms of like how do you involve them in development teams and stuff like that. Um, so I have I've, I've been like toying a little bit about like hey where can AI content prompting and uh, asking questions to an AI and how do you involve it into like preparation or workshops and and uh, approval or idea generation how 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 can it uh, be affected and since i come from like the startup sphere i had to like do a lot of these things but maybe you guys have some more like uh, ideas about in contextually to your uh, industries uh, and and how you've been working um how do you see like the the team dynamics being changed uh, or affected by it so I would say something like QA, uh, QA engineers, like how you interact with them uh, in a more structured manner, maybe, uh, where you still have AI perform, uh, where you have AI perform some of the, the, the testing cases, and then have uh, more DevOps-oriented roles and, and QA leads uh, being more structured and plan around that, um, and more like how do you how do they make uh, the designers or the product owners be more prompting like the actual use cases or how the uh, product will be used mm-hmm. yeah um, if i i can start this maybe um yeah which are when i first saw the question <clears throat> then um then i thought well ai can cannot only help us when we are uh, at work together it can also help us when we are at work at different times um being um like uh, a scrum master uh, helping a distributed team in different time zones uh, what is the next thing to work on and if i cannot be on because i'm sleeping when you're at work then the uh, that the AI can actually uh, uh, tell the uh, the rest of the team what I've been working on and what my progress has been uh, and act uh, in some way like uh, how uh, what I have been doing uh, like uh, uh, giving a resume of uh, the day at the day's activities um, and what problems we have what needs to be worked on and so forth um so that could be a, a new way of a team structure anyway and a way to have distributed teams around the world uh, instead of uh, just distributed teams uh, in in a, a bit of uh, different time zones um 
so that was one of the things that uh, that came to my mind uh, that could be a, a way of enabling uh, team dynamics uh, in another way. Um, of course, uh, I think that AI could maybe also prove useful asking the right questions uh, when uh, when you have Q and A, uh, like uh, we see with the doctors being uh, able to. Uh, to diagnose uh, health issues um, as with assisted AI, then we could have Q and A uh, assisted AI um, helping them asking the right questions or doing the right stuff to break your app uh, or to break the software in some way um, to to uh, make sure that. Uh, the, the test cases are being handled in the right way, or maybe that we spot some of the offs uh, that wouldn't be found either by static code analyze uh, or uh, by q &A. So it could also act like uh, that code monkey just uh, catching some of the early errors as well. Yeah. Yeah, I love it. Uh, good point on... Uh, on... Um... On, on, on assisting like the the QA uh, finding like missing areas I think that's uh, something I've been seeing a lot with the security uh, field or, like the security development developers like how do you break your intranet or infrastructure and stuff like that I think that's like having the AI to ask these uh, contextual questions uh, is like really good definitely Giannis, what are your thoughts? Yeah, yeah. Um, for me, actually, when I was reading the question, I I already kind of briefly mentioned uh, one of my uh, thoughts uh, in, in the first question is that the way I see how team dynamics would change is that uh, at least in the larger organizations or larger teams, they will actually scale down. Uh, that is my pure speculation and, and guess, but it's on the information that I have seen so far, and that has been also one of the points that uh, uh, in the interview with uh, Microsoft CEO uh, was was mentioned, is that we as a developers we, we will become more like a managers of different AI systems or AI um, professionals, uh, I don't know, colleagues, uh, and I think the way is I see this is you will get a lot of tools that will enhance your uh, already like the skills that you already have. So my background is, for example, front-end development, and now I'm more into the full stack, but I have also some sort of experience with the design, but I'm not a designer. So I, I still need to co collaborate with a designer. Uh, but if I would, let's say, open my own uh, one, uh, one man uh, agency or something, I think with the current tools or with the way the tools are going ahead, I would be able to do so. I would be able to generate the science. I would be able to add uh, some AI enhanced testers, like you mentioned also. I, I think that right now when we are thinking about uh, tested, like unit test, integration test, or end-to-end test, I think also AI will provide a completely new way of testing. You just uh, post a link in the tool and it will sort of mimic the user. And, and if the app will break, it will just point out where the app is broken and then it's up to you to figure out okay which part of your uh, code is responsible for this uh these features so um but at the same time also like same 
that we as a developers will be become managers. There's also like designers will become managers. So if a designer has some kind of coding experience and background, they will not need to rely on a developer anymore in the future to create an app. They will start with their design and then they'll put it in this tool and say like, okay, now make this interactive and deploy it somewhere, right? So I also see that as a uh, viable option. And that's why I also think that teams will scale down, but at the same time, lots of more companies will be able to afford professional teams, let's say. So right now, if you're in a bank uh, or like a big corporation with tons of resources, you're always kind of like step ahead of smaller companies. But I think in the future, that's not going to be exactly the case. You as a developer will maybe write 20% of the production code and uh, everything else will be generated by AI. And uh, this number is also not something that I just came up with the 80% of code. Actually, uh, this is something that we discussed uh, before the uh, podcast, but there was a tweet from um, a former uh, AI developer at Tesla who was developing the whole uh, autopilot system, which is basically AI. And he has just tweeted that currently in his workflow, 80% of the code is generated by GitHub Copilot, which means that the AI developer is using AI to write more AI. So it's kind of like crazy that one of the uh, sort of uh, is really uh, influential figures in the AI development is using AI to create uh, more code. And and that's, that's just like obvious where the, where the industry is going. And, and it's the same, it's going to be also for designers, let's say. So yep. instead of uh, you as a web designer starting to build the app from the scratch in Figma or, or whatever, you just start with a simple prompt and then just tweak and add what kind of interactions you expect uh, there to be and uh, uh, so on. Yeah, you are, you're walking exactly into what I'm what I'm building right now. So <laughs> you, would, you would prompt, give a prompt and have it built to the website. And so you have a very strong starting point. So you don't need to exactly. do like, you don't need to do test like sketches and stuff like that. You actually have like an idea of where you want to start. And then you go and change specific components, stuff like that. I agree completely. It, like, what? It's actually what you say also just came in my mind that all these boilerplates will become obsolete yeah. in the future. Yep. You yep. don't have to like do something, I don't know, NPX create a, a React app or, or whatnot. But you'll just say like, I need this type of application and give some extra specifics just for your own needs. And you don't start with this sort of boilerplate layout. You actually start with your app layout that you need to tweak. So that's also pretty crazy. Yep. Um, right now I'm starting with like very, I still have a few pieces of boilerplate just to maintain the framework and keep it like structured because um, as you understand now, the AI is not perfectly capable of building everything from scratch. But in the future, it might be. So now you are starting from a very uh, handheld. So you're still following the, the AI to the result, but you are slowly relieving control and giving the AI more control as the AI industry gets more and more educated uh, or stronger. Um, yeah. so, so, but are, are you using ChatGPT for, for, for this? Yeah. Oh, well, not ChatGPT, but the... Uh, the API in a morning, so it's yeah, still yeah. GPT three. Yeah, yeah. And the thing is that this AI, or this 
model is actually not trained specifically for the code. This is just like code is one of the things that it can do. So imagine in two years, maybe, or five years latest, right? When we'll have this specifically for coding and app building uh, generated uh, models. So that's when you will, will not need this uh, handheld approach anymore. Yeah, right now it's like very dependent on the context. So you feed it exactly. a con like bits and pieces of code, and then it has to build that one thing. It cannot do like nine, nine, 90 different files at the same time. It, it's like, it cannot retain context. That would also be very pricey. Uh, but that's where you as a developer would be writing the interface to communicating with this and bringing that to your team. So as, as you guys said was, it would be reducing the number of developers because you would have people writing interface interfaces and how to interface uh, an AI engine to build the business model or um, business product that you're working with. Love that. Enrico, thanks again for a fantastic question. There are a couple of questions flying in in the comments. Uh, we're going to try and work our way through most of them now, but uh, if anyone's listening and, and they do want to get all their answers, uh, if we're not able to get through all of them, we will get the guys to, to kind of put some answers together uh, and we'll get those out to you when the podcast is released on the, the podcast channels. The first one that came in is they're looking at there certain industries that in tech that are going to be hit by AI more than others. Um, I suppose Toll's been in, in the banking, quite a regulated one, and, and Enrico, and what you've done in the past with com, um, compliance and whatnot, and 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 Yanis with Trackman, yeah. are there what industries that are going to be see a bigger effect of AI, especially initially, right? Yeah, the, the the initial thought is anything that produces text-based stuff right now. Well, um, these are the ones that's going to get like and change in in uh, the type of people you hire uh, you're not going to replace a lawyer with an ai you're going to replace a lawyer with a lawyer with a so a lawyer with an ai would take their job right so mm -hmm. it, those are the ones that's going to get like the first bits of uh, replacement uh news article writers stuff like that the yeah. article like news so just gonna be a whole mess Nobody's getting paid, I think. <laughs> I also cannot say that there's going to be, or which industries will be more affected. But the example about lawyers is also, uh, there's a lot of this uh, in, in, in interviews with the influencers in the, in, in, in the space, right? Uh, or key figures in the, in the AI space. They actually say that in the beginning, assumption was that if you imagine this kind of pyramid, that the lower layer of the pyramid is sort of the lower skilled workers, uh, and then you go up uh, to sort of lawyers and uh, programmers and creative uh, space or creative professions. And the assumption was that the AI will start with the bottom of the pyramid and will replace like eventually and go up. But now recent uh, examples actually show that it's going to be the opposite. Because it, it's actually, it's showing so much uh, uh, creative potential and also how much, so much mm, uh, capability to write good code that uh, like your, your example with the newspaper articles, you can also expand it to copywriters, let's say. And I think it's going to be more like uh, 
sort of uh, specialists, the ones who are actually the key figures in your team or in your project space, uh, they will not be replaced as the first uh, uh, professionals, but everyone else, they actually need to kind of prepare, uh, well, how, how can I avoid being replaced? Because you need to become a specialist. Uh, as a like a lawyer, if you are really specializing in some specific areas, you're kind of safe. But if you are sort of generic and uh, on, uh, let's say your specialty is uh, some traffic incidents or insurance cases, those actually can be replaced by AI already not because it can just land so much faster and it can give uh, correct answer so much quicker uh, than any human, right? Mm-hmm. Charles, what was your thoughts on that one? Yeah, I think that, um, like, uh, like you said, Janice, that uh, like the generalists are, might be the first to go, um, but also I think the generalists are the first to adopt the uh, AIs. Uh, in some way, because they are generalists, they can adopt a lot faster. Um, mm. But I think that uh, we will see a lot of uh, AI-enabled developers uh, doing faster code, so maybe we will just start producing more code first, mm. uh, and that will in turn uh, cut down on the workforce, uh, or you will produce the material for as a lawyer faster and that would cut down on the law, the workforce and and so on so we would see a, a reduction in the workforce uh, overall instead of uh, specific areas being cut out yeah that is actually also a common thread that everyone is talking about but it's not only developers almost every profession right now in one way or other, will yeah. be impacted, right? Yeah, it's it's very focused on on non-developers right now, in my opinion. But it's mostly because there's a lot more people who have op- more options now. Uh, it's opening up a lot of like general options for people to make stuff faster. Uh, that yeah. So that there's smaller companies have more options. Uh, they don't have to hire like all these people. Uh, they can produce something that's coherent very fast. Mm-hmm. Um, so it might be smaller companies start popping up a lot more often, like independent uh, developers, uh, independent companies. Goes back to the example you made earlier, Enrique, about the uh, mass production, the industrial revolution, but from an AI perspective, right? Um, yeah. But guys, I thank you everyone for listening today. Uh, I think it's a great point to leave it at. I'll make sure the questions um, we'll put to the panel and we'll get some answers for you. Um, so thank you very much for the engagement. This has been the Evolution Exchange podcast. I want to take this opportunity to thank Yanis, Claus, and Enrico for all providing both their fantastic questions, but their excellent insight uh, and speculation, of course, uh, because, I mean, who knows where we're going to be this time next year. Uh, I could have four uh, AIs as guests rather than uh, than people. Who knows? Um, but yeah, if you'd like to get involved in one of the upcoming podcasts, please reach out to me on LinkedIn or email me at sam.williamson at evolution-nordics.com. Thank you all for listening. Cheers, guys.